0: Watch your language. Indeed, the words we use matter when fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich from the Fundraising School. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Dr. Tim Seiler. He was a longtime leader of the Fundraising School and now is the Dr. Henry Rosso Fellow in Philanthropic Studies at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and a master teacher in many of our courses at the Fundraising School. Tim raised money for a long time at the Indiana University Foundation. Before that, His academic pathway was involved with English, his bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees, all in English, which gives him a passion for making sure we're using the right words when fundraising. And Tim, I know sometimes as you teach, somebody will bring up a phrase, like we're going to target the low-hanging fruit. I just said two of them on the list. How important is it that we use the right words when we plan to meet with donors and when we're meeting with them?
1: Well, my view is that, how we feel about what we do is determined in large part by how we talk about what we do mm-hmm. and if we use what i would call the wrong kind of language to talk about what we do i think it carries over to how we feel about that we, and i believe there's a connection here between feeling how we feeling about what we do mm-hmm. and doing it i think carry forward into what some of the baggage still is we carry around relative to fundraising and that is the sense that it's Untoward in some way that it is embarrassing that it's begging, mm-hmm. uh, all of which I do not believe. Uh, I think that fundraising is a noble uh, enterprise or a noble undertaking, a yes. noble profession. Uh, we're all serving nonprofits who are meeting needs or solving problems, and. That’s our rationale for existing as nonprofits. And all nonprofits need support. They need people support, good strong boards, other volunteers. And of course they need financial resources. And we have to invite people to make those financial resources. Generally, people aren’t going to give on their own with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also know from research that the school of philanthropy does that people like to be invited to give and so therefore how we invite people to give or how we talk about inviting people to give uh, is important so when we target people I always ask our our, uh, course participants how would you feel if you were a donor and you walked into a nonprofit organization, there were a group of people sitting around saying we're going to go target Bill or we're going to yeah. go target Tim um, and a few others I'll throw in, although I'm always reluctant to add to the vocabulary if people yes. haven't already heard these. But, uh, you know, let's let's target the low hanging fruit with the deep pockets. Right. Uh, let's twist their arms. Right. Know, let's sneak up on them. Um, Another phrase that's not inherently negative, but I think is a little dishonest and is not um, that is, does not care the integrity that I think we ought to have in fundraising, and that is the old cliche that if you want to ask people if you want to raise money, ask people for advice. Right. If you want advice, ask for money. I, I don't think that's true. I think if you want advice, you ask for advice. If you want money, you ask for money. But you do it in the appropriate way and polite way.
0: I'm so glad you said that, Tim. That, folks, that is an urban myth. It, we hear that all the time. If you want money, ask for advice, and if you want advice, ask for money. No, if you need a financial gift, ask for a financial gift. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up as well. You know, Tim, kind of from a macro level, in terms of why this is important, you know, in the nonprofit sector, people certainly care about their mission and whether they're helping children, senior citizens, uh, our, our neighbors who are low income, fighting for social and racial justice, the environment, whatever, the arts, whatever the case may be, we're focused on that. But when we're fundraising, we're also serving our donor. Our donor has dignity in the exact same way as all of those other examples that I cited. That's why this is important.
1: Well, that's well said, Bill. Uh, it, it, the, the, uh, the conversation is one of dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ask people for money. It is a serious undertaking, It's something serious to do. We're asking people to part with their own resources, to do something that they care about, to help us to do something that we care about, and when those values match, that's where the um, that's where fundraising and philanthropy come together. Um, You know, Hank Rosso, the founder of the Fundraising School, always said fundraising is servant to philanthropy, which I think is the right way to talk about fundraising and philanthropy. Um, And we at the School of Philanthropy use the definition of philanthropy as voluntary action for the public good. So it's voluntary action for the public good, and we're all participating in that, and fundraising serves philanthropy. Uh, you know, the numbers are very robust in, in the amount of philanthropy that happens in the United States on an annual basis. And I, I wish that, uh, I, I hope that maybe one of our researchers someday can, can uh, connect the dots and prove how much of the philanthropy is the result of fundraising that people are giving because they're asked to give and, and invited to give and invited to participate.
0: And Dr. Seiler's hypothesis would be most of it maybe even almost all of it i'd say a good percentage
1: i don't i don't know if i'm going to put a number behind that but it'd be higher not lower towards i believe
0: so you know tim you mentioned uh, bob payton's definition voluntary action for the public good which is the definition of philanthropy that we utilize uh, at the Lilly family school philanthropy and at the fundraising school voluntary action for the public good, not mandatory action for my good, not mandatory action for my nonprofit's good. Um, you know, how important is it and, and what issues are embedded kind of in this language that we use that fundraisers not have this sense of entitlement and, and maybe even entitlement is too strong of a word that even if, if, if the right attitude that I know I'm making a difference and certainly you should help me with this, you know, difference that we're making in the world. That's an attitude that can creep into some of these negative views of donors and some of these negative phrases, right? As fundraisers, we need to guard against that.
1: I think you're right. Uh, That's a good insight, Bill, and that is that uh, it's too many times we say, we're doing good work, we need money, we deserve it, you should yeah. give it to us, you have it. Um, that's not the way it works. Um, we make a case for support, and I like to define case for support for a nonprofit organization by saying it's all the reasons you can think of you deserve philanthropic support. Mm-hmm. It's not why you need money, it's right. why you deserve philanthropic support for the good that you're doing for the organization, the donor, and the greater community, the greater good.
0: And then when we're making the request of the donor, almost always in face-to-face meetings, we're thinking what's good for the donor. We need to think from the donor's perspective as we invite them to join us with our impact. And certainly the way we communicate with our words plays a large role in that.
1: I believe that's exactly right.
0: So what are some of the other phrases, you know, twisting arms, putting the arm on somebody, somebody's an ATM machine. I mean, sometimes maybe people are just using these as shorthand in a meeting, but as you said, it can really affect our hearts. It really can affect the way we approach donors. How important is it for us to really be disciplined about getting that language away from our planning and away from our meetings to help us see donors as we should.
1: Well, we talk we hear this frequently in the in the courses in the fundraising school, right? So, well, these terms are easy to understand. You know, we only use them on the inside and yeah. and it's kind of shorthand rather than trying to explain everything in greater detail and we would never use these with a donor. Well, we hope that's true. But we know that sometimes those things that we get into the habit of even though we might be in the planning room or in the conference room and we'll never use them with a donor, eh, well, we slip up from time to time. Uh, and, And, you know, whether we slip up or not, I still think... If we talk about that, even among ourselves, I think we are creating uh, a negative attitude towards the whole process, and to some degree, I think we're creating a negative attitude towards how we feel about donors or how we think about donors. So I think, you know, let's just focus on talking about this in the most wholesome way. It, it's a good thing to invite people to participate in. So give them the dignity of participating in a meaningful way.
0: And Tim, to end this conversation on a high note, the research also shows not only should we be staying away from these negative terms and phrases, but even when we communicate with donors, not just in person, but even in our annual appeal letters, our social media outreach and and so forth, that when we talk about what is possible because of this gift, what impact this gift can make, it's this so-called, and this is a research term, the warm glow that mm-hmm. a per- prospective donor can feel. So not only should we stay away from these negative terms and phrases, what difference does it make for the donor when we use these positive theme messages?
1: Well as you, as you alluded to, we have uh, faculty members at the school who are doing research on this, uh, psychologists, social, psycho- social psychologists, Um, economists who study uh, the physiological, physical, emotional well-being of people who volunteer their time and give their money. Uh, They live healthier lives, they live longer lives. Um, And one of our newer faculty members just joined us this past fall, uh, talks about the important role that gratitude plays. uh, that, That we feel grateful as a donor for the opportunity to be a donor. And there is a warm glow there. There's a glow of health there. And I think these are, uh, you know, so we're helping donors you know to feel better and uh, live a happier more fulfilling life
0: and at the end of the day how are we helping donors we're helping them experience the joy of giving as Dr. Rosso taught us fundraising is the gentle art of teaching others the joy of giving we're in the joy delivery business folks that's what we're doing when we're fundraising that's why we need to be careful with the words and the phrases that we use about our donors and how we communicate with our donors whether it's in our planning meeting or if we're sitting with them face to face you'll you can learn more about this from our courses at the fundraising school and you can find the complete list on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school you can also gain easy access to our information from our free app which is available wherever you obtain apps for your smart devices Uh, we have quarterly webinars we can bring custom training to you let us know how we can help you improve philanthropy and improve the world I'm Bill Stanjakevich and you are more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school